you love tabletop RPGs like we do here at the Crypto Keeper, you'll love our sponsors, the One Shot Podcast. Every month, host James D'Amato invites a brand new group of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds to try a new role-playing game. You can hear folks like brand new SNL cast member Luke Null try out Everyone is John, cartoonist Noel Stevenson play Masks, or Ignite's award-winning artist Jess Fink play Shooting the Moon from the Romance Trilogy. It's always entertaining and a great way to learn about new games. I started tuning in maybe like a month or two ago, and it's been a blast ever since. Though I've been following all their content on Twitter forever, and it's like excellent, it's only recently that I've actually started really going back and listening through the catalog with, you know, veracity. And there is quite a catalog to get into. So if you're hurting for content right now, tune into One Shot, and they will have you covered for a long time to come. Give them not just One Shot, but all of them. But also, one shot is all it'll take, because it's great, and you'll be hooked immediately. Addison, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. You looked at me. I didn't get pre-written copy. You just started talking. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, One Shot, for being our sponsors this week. We love you guys, and we hope that um, all of our listeners out there will love them, too. So check it out. Go to One Shot Podcast, and... Let them in your ear holes. <laughs> and get gaming. Get gaming. They don't have a, a cool catchphrase, I don't think, so get, we're going to have to come get up Get gaming. Take one of these, guys. Just any of them. It's fine. <laughs> at the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. As you enjoy the episode, why don't you slip out of your skin and into something a little more comfortable? Let's go for a swim. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, that's you too. So, hey, welcome to the club. It's a pretty cool place to be. I think the membership's semi-exclusive, but at this point, you're still getting on the ground level, so <laughs> dues are cheap, um, and it's like a bubble that's never going to burst, right? Like, this just going up for here. every time you do it. Not every time. It's kind of like an arc, right? There's, you know, there's, there's peaks bell and curve. valleys. Peaks and valleys. Um, I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And we're here to have some fun with your brain space. I didn't consent to any of this. I did not pre-approve any of this copy. I think by this point, that's just understood, yeah. right? Like, it's just sort of known to the people at large that this whole opening is just me kind of trying out my stand-up routine and reminding everybody why I'm not a stand-up comic. That's so. fair. You're a sit-down comic. I'm a sit-down comic. <laughs> Gosh darn it. <laughs> now the people are going to complain and say that that's, we sound too scripted. Damn you, it! You can't win. If your jokes are too bad, nobody likes them. If your jokes are too good, people think you're out of time. Uh, if that's you think the that biz. was a good joke, that you're wrong. That's the biz. Well, that's why I'm not successful. <laughs> Um, so what do you think we're talking about today, Addison? Well, it's December 3rd. Right. That's right, you're getting this episode the same day we record it. After we finish this, I'm gonna <laughs> do a speed edit and uh, stick this sucker up on the internets before you even notice. I don't know. But um, I'm assuming since we are now a little bit into December, like a little bit of a way, like a couple steps into the shallow end that of December, that this is going to be Christmas related um, or hol winter holiday season related. You'd think that, wouldn't you? But it turns out that my <laughs> cryptid selection system is both incomprehensible <laughs> and utterly complicated. It's owes to a number of facts. And I don't know how your process is. I feel like every time I go to pick a new cryptid, I have like this weird game of mental gymnastics in my head where I'm like trying to balance all of these factors 
characters that probably nobody cares about. And it's like a weird thing because we always have this this bit at the beginning where we're like, what do you think we're talking about? And like the people already know because it's the title of the episode. So. Yeah, but it's the surprise. Really well, this everybody. part isn't for them. This part's for me or this for you when for it's you. mine. Here's the thing. You asked, my, my strategy is I remember a picture or like video I saw at one point and then I Google keywords until I find the name of the cryptid that that picture was of. That's not always the case, but with the Fresno Nightcrawler, it was literally, I, I wrote cryptid that looks like a pair of white legs. That's good. I like that. Mine's a little bit more like um, standing in front of the big like Pepe Sylvia board with like all of the strings drawn yeah. between things where like I'm trying to balance cryptids that we haven't done yet with places we haven't done in a while and like trying to keep them dissimilar enough from things that we've done before, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. but similar enough to the context of the time I'm recording them in. So there's like 50 factors at oh, play my God. and I kind of have to balance them all. Um, but anyway, this week we're doing one that I've wanted to do for a while, but then like those factors didn't line up blissfully enough. So we're doing Selkies. <gasps> oh, yeah. I'm really excited about Selkies. They're a cryptid that I like a lot, but again, you know, I did like, and this was a while back now, but it, the, the number of episodes seems closer together where we did some aquatic cryptids and I was like, well, I want to get away from the water for a while. I don't want this to just become like a one time thing. And then thing. we were in and Ireland. Then, and then we were in Ireland. So we were like too close to home. So I, you have to keep moving around, right? Mm -hmm. Don't want to bore the people. This is, I was going to say, um, no, I might be incorrect and I'd have to do some research on this. You might tell me if I'm incorrect, but this might be winter adjacent because I feel like I've definitely read a version of the Selkie story that took place somewhere cold very very cold well they like. do yeah they are more in in colder climes it doesn't really have so much to do with the time of year it's just the location it's just that cold but is, it, cold I mean, I think, is winter i think people are in the mood for selkies now so it's yeah. a good time to do them mm -hmm. so i'm gonna kick you off with an intro from uh actually a scottish tourism website all right hopeless romantics beware the selkie is an alluring shape-shifting creature which resembles a seal in the water but assumes human form on dry land the graceful Selkie may look astonishingly beautiful, but they can leave you lovesick forever. Dear woman. <laughs> so, oh, darn it. Now I gotta pick a new cryptid. Oh, no, no, Alex. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. You ruined it. No. Uh, I mean, yeah, this should have kept is my another, damn mouth shut. Is another sort of seductress. Similar in vain to the Kelpie, but nowhere near as sinister. Yeah. Yeah, not even a little bit. Well, that's bit. the only reason I said dear woman. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's fine. I'll it's delete fine. it. No one will have to know. Let's keep going. Let's hear a little bit more. Okay. And I don't necessarily agree with everything I'm about to read you, but it's pretty good. Eternally lustful. That's the only part I have a problem with. From here it's on. Okay. <laughs> a selkie will capture the hearts of human beings and then disappear forever into the ocean, leaving behind a few broken hearts. Mm. Yes, it is thought that both male and female selkies can elegantly emerge from the water as okay. beautiful people and have powerful seductive powers over humans. After finding love and spending years on land, selkie folk will always crave a return to the sea, their rightful home. In some tales, humans hide the seal skins to prevent them returning home to the ocean. Other stories say that selkies have a moral conscience and return to play with their children at the seashore and visit them regularly once they've gone back to the sea. Have you ever seen a seal bobbing its head above water? They may seem adorable, but think twice when you see them, especially in the waters off the coast of Orkney and Shetland. You might end up falling head over heels in love. This episode's gonna make me cry, isn't it? Um, yes and no. There are some parts of it that are genuinely, like, kind of bittersweet. I think the selkie trade is, like, a lot of... Well, just um, as you were describing them coming back to play with their children at the edge of the water, I was getting really overwhelmed. There is a sense of melancholy to them. I mean, they've got sort of this sense of longing that's always attributed with them. They're sort of like, I think because of their dual nature, they're creatures that don't really belong anywhere, and so they always feel displaced. 
And so there's always that longing to get home, but not actually having a true home, being stuck in between two worlds. Mm -hmm. And it makes it kind of beautiful, but it is kind of sad, right? But I think that the Selkie is a really interesting thing to look at because it explores so many of these ideas of like what our ties are actually to and like whether the, the bond of love is stronger than the bond of like your origin and where you come from, or I don't know, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I think that in general, myths from around that area, especially up in, like you pointed out, the colder areas tend to have this kind of sadness to them. And like, I'm not going to point to seasonal depression, but I think seasonal depression is a I was big just going to say, do you mean because it's impossible to have joy in your heart when it's your heart never is frozen solid? solid? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, can I do something really, really bad for, like, just a second. It's not bad. It's really, really <laughs> ridiculous like for just, like, a second yeah, before you. For just, like, could you, about, I think the Selkie has a heart song, and I can't stop thinking about it, and it's just, um, I think, they want to be where the people are. They want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what do you call them? Feet. Oh, feet. Thank you. It's just that a little bit of the, not the new, not the Disney one, actually, as much as I sing the song, but this has, this has flavors of The Little Mermaid to it. So It I has just, a lot of the Danish version of The yeah, Little Mermaid of the, uh, the yes, Hans Christian Andersen the original one. one. It, actually, I thought of that a lot when I was researching this. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. There are actually a lot of ties between Selkies and Merfolk in more ways than one. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But mm-hmm. that's sort of your intro into Selkies. So they are seal people. Um... Seals as in the aquatic creature, if that weren't made abundantly clear. I get sometimes, like, words are hard. Especially if you're not a native English speaker. But yeah. seals as in the really, really cute blubbery water folk. I love them a lot. Oh, boy, oh, boy, they're oh, so boy. Cute. Okay, have you seen the video of just, like, a bunch of seals? I think they're harp seals. I can't tell what kind they're... No, they're, they're probably not. They're really, like, fat, and they have the really, like, sweet faces, mm-hmm. and they're, like, bouncing on their bellies. Yes, and I love like, them yeah. so much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, seal folk. And... They, their, their big trait, the trait that shows up again and again and again in all of these stories is that they have the capability to shed their seal skin and come onto land. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually what happens in most Selkie myths is that the seal skin is stolen or hidden away from them or kept under lock and key. And, um, with the understanding that if they ever find the seal skin again, they will use it to return to the ocean. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like your basic primer on Selkies. There's so, a, there's a, there's an, a, abuse allegory in there. Absolutely. No, there definitely is. Sometimes it's very much an abuse narrative. Other times it's a little bit more complicated than that. No, of course. Yeah. And then there's one really cool variation on the story that I'll get into later, yeah. actually, but I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Okay. But yeah, the, the Selkie thing is interesting because there that narrative is definitely wrapped up a lot in it. And that's what I thought it mostly exclusively was until I started researching it and found some cool cultural variations on the tale. So. Tale. Uh... <laughs> that was the weirdest laugh I've ever done in my life. Let's get into it. It's what I deserved. Okay. So, this is coming to you just from the basic Selkie page on Wikipedia. Lots of knowledge out there. Uh, it's an extremely well-cited article, though. So, like... I was gonna say... Kudos to you, Wikipedia. Do you remember in uh, school when they were like, never use Wikipedia, people can change it whenever they want? And now it's like, Wikipedia is the only reliable source well, for true information in 2017. Here's, also, here's the thing. I would always then, in high school, edit Wikipedia and put some, like, weird stuff in there and... Their editors find it fast. Immediately. As someone who has done Wikipedia, like, sources for scholarly purposes or for, like, people whose, you know, information or, or, or media or, like, 
public relations stuff I'm handling, like, yeah, they, they although, check it out and they verify I, it. I should say, if it's a very small Wikipedia page, that's not always the case because I can tell you uh, a story that was part, at least partially true. I don't know if the second part was an urban legend or not, but from my high school, which was, I live in Clark County, mm-hmm. where I'm from Clark County, there was a, this part was true, that a guy I went to high school with had edited the Wikipedia page for Clark County, Virginia to say that he was the founder of Clark County, like with his Amazing. name. And then supposedly someone writing like a small self-published book about Clark County listed him as the founder. And oh. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, the closest thing that's ever happened like that to me is when I was um, still living in West Virginia. And this was back when I was in high school because it was before Senator Byrd actually, you know, did die. But when he was still very much alive and not even like in a particular health crisis, uh-huh. um, his Wikipedia page periodically, like typically stated for like uh, an hour that he was dead. And like this happened a couple different times. People would go on Wikipedia and be like, he's dead. And it's like, he's not dead. <laughs> That's so funny. There is an actor that that keeps happening happening to. And it's I a lot of them. Yeah, I found out true. that Will Smith was dead the other day. He's not. He's not. No, oh, he's it's, fine. I remember. I listened to. Um, there's a podcast I listened to, and now I can't remember what podcast it is. But they would go to a certain Wikipedia page, and every time they went, it would say Rosie O'Donnell dead. Um, oh my gosh! And and the, and they would check every time, That's and no, lot. she's not dead. Well, anyway, um, back anyway. to Selkies. Sorry, yes. This is just to say that this Wikipedia article is very well sourced, so I think you can trust it. Selkies, also spelled silkies or silky folk, mm. are mythological creatures found in Irish, Scottish, Faroese, and Icelandic folklore. <gasps> Icelandic, that was it. I mm-hmm. thought I knew. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Yep. Selkies are said to live as seals in the sea, but shed their skin to become human on land. The stories frequently revolve around female selkies being coerced into relationships with humans by someone stealing and hiding their seal skin, often not regaining the skin until years later, upon which they commonly return to the sea, forsaking their human family. The legend is most common in the Northern Ireland, in the Northern Isles of Scotland, my bad, and is very similar to those of swan maidens. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so if you're similar with swan maid mythology, it's like a very similar vein. Um, it's also linked in again with like sirens or mermaids, but mm-hmm. they have different sort of purposes and aims. Yeah, um, I mean, Swan Lake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The word derives from the earlier Scots Sulk, which comes from the Old English sul, meaning seal. It occurs in various other spellings in Scots, which don't make any sense to go through on an audio format podcast, but check it out. There's like a lot of variation there. In Gaelic stories, specific terms for selkies are rarely used, i.e. they're rarely differentiated from mermaids. And they're just sort of commonly grouped in as maidens of the sea, um, but clearly have the seal-like attributes, depending on which stories you're listening to. Mm. The only term which specifically refers to a selkie, but which is only rarely encountered, is, I'm just going to spell it because Gaelic is the most banana set of phonics in the entire oh, it world. Is. It's it's Gaelic and Welsh, man. <laughs> M-A-I-G-H-D-E-A-N-N hyphen R-O-I-N, which means seal maiden. Um, do you think that there's a correlation between selkie myths and really confusing phonics? Because I was just thinking Icelandic and Gaelic. That's gotta be are it. Are both extremely tricky languages. No, I think it's all more right. likely that confusing phonics all just happen to have similar locations, at least confusing to us. I'm sure they're That's not confusing to people who've grown up No, with I them. just remember reading that I think it's Icelandic is, is, is regarded as one of the hardest languages to learn if you're not a native speaker. Like, I think it's in the top five hardest Ooh, languages not to learn. Yeah. Um, so that's an overview. So again, commonly associated with sea maidens, uh, mermaids, sirens, what have you. I actually didn't know before I started researching that there are also male selkies, but it is something that I wondered. And that is true. They come in any of a variety of forms. And actually, there's also a pretty popular webcomic called F's Skin about selkies, which features a non-binary protagonist. Wait, what, what, what's the title of it? F's Skin. E-T-H apostrophe Okay, that's what I was, I was wondering the... Yeah. S-K-I-N. Yep. Okay. I heard S skin, and then I heard F skin, and F. then, okay, <laughs> F. 
skin. Okay. That sounds cool. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Uh, so male selkies are described as being very handsome in their human form and having great seductive powers over human women. Although I would assume that the same applies to anybody who's attracted to men. Yeah. They typically seek those who are dissatisfied with their lives, so such as married women waiting for their fisherman husbands. Oh, boy. So it's a very specific kind of narrative, right? Like, this came out of the idea of, like, women with absent husbands finding yep. magical seal lovers. It's like, you know, if Stephanie Meyer were writing fiction <laughs> for dissatisfied housewives back in, like, fisherman village days, it would have been selkie lore instead of vampires. And you know what's funny is there's a version of a story a lot like that in a lot of different cultures. Um, I, oh, yeah. I'll have to cover another one sometime. There's, like, a lot of... Uh, like, dissatisfied wife. But if you are a dissatisfied fisherwife, I've got good news for you. Because it just so happens there is a tried and true way to summon a male sucky. <laughs> what? All you have to do is shed seven tears into the sea. It, exactly seven? Seven. Seven tears. So if it's one more or one less, then good luck. No, he's going to be like, oh, wait, no, she didn't mean it. <laughs> oh, no. That was just a butt dial. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I I don't know. I feel like that's important information. If you're going to go selkie summoning, seven. If a man steals a female selkie's skin, she is in his power and is forced to become his wife, which is, again, awful. kind of heteronormative and more than a little bit abusive in terms of those power dynamics. She is forced to become his wife. Female selkies are said to make excellent wives, but because their true home is the sea, they will often be seen gazing longingly at the ocean. Particularly when they're literal kidnap victims. Yeah, right. If she finds her skin, she will immediately return to her true home and sometimes to her selkie husband in the sea. So, like, they're not even always unmarried selkies. Apparently there's, home record. apparently there's a thriving Selkie society, which nobody ever talks about. There's, like, Selkie culture. Oh, my God, little seal families. Yeah, right? Uh, sometimes a Selkie maiden is taken as a wife by a human man, and she has several children by him. In these stories, it is often, and this is, like, the saddest version of the Selkie story to oh, me. Oh, no. It is often one of her children who discovers her seal skin, often not knowing its significance, and she soon returns to the sea. The selkie woman usually avoids seeing her human husband again, but is sometimes shown visiting her children and playing with them in the waves. So here's another thing, and I thought this was like a really beautiful, really sad way to put it. I was looking up something else, and it's a list of like selkies in pop culture, like various stories featuring selkies. And there's a lot of good ones, and I'll get to those later, but there was a quote from one of them that really struck me. And this is a quote from Sophia Samatar's Selkie Stories Are For Losers. And the quote is, I hate selkie stories. They're always about how you went up to the attic to look for a book, and you found a disgusting old coat and brought it downstairs between finger and thumb and said, what's this? And you never saw your mom again. That's so sad. <laughs> really upsetting. Yeah. It's like, talk about sins of the father, right? Like, the kids didn't ask for that. Well, I mean, that's why mom comes back to frolic in the waves with I them. know. I know. That makes me weep. That just makes me... That's that's very... Uh, no spoilers. I, I hope it might not have seen this, but that feel, that's almost very Moana to me. It's like, because grandma's gone, but she's oh, still yeah. in the water. A little bit, yeah. I'm just like... Moana's still fresh in my heart and my soul because I've watched it for the very first time over uh, my Thanksgiving break. Yeah, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? I loved it so much. I literally, though, I literally, like, sorry, spoilers for Moana, but I literally, like, the ray first appeared in the water and I started weeping. Oh, we all did. Out loud, I went, that's her grandma! Um, And that was... That was what happened. Truly. But I don't know. I think the love of a selkie mother for her children is very pure and good, and it means a lot to me. Oh, my God. Anyway, stories concerning selkies are generally romantic tragedies. In case you hadn't figured that out by now, they usually fall into that. It's like they're sometimes tragedies of a different sort, but the, you know. It's all a little Shakespearean. It's like, it's kind of a myth that doesn't age well, right? Yeah. 
anyway, sometimes the human will not know that their lover is a selkie and wakes to find them return to their, their seal form. In other stories, the human will hide the selkie skin intentionally, thus preventing the selkie from returning to its seal form. A selkie can, and this isn't like verified in a lot of other places, I'm not sure how this is enforced, but a selkie can only make contact with one human for a short amount of time before the selkie must return to the sea. But also like they can't return to the sea unless they have their selkie skin. So I'm not sure like yeah. what the must is there. I don't, I don't know. Maybe like they can only exist there for a short period of time before they start feeling like that compulsion to go back yeah, to the sea. Maybe. I'm not sure I'm what not, it is. I'm not sure. The selkie is unable to make contact with that human again for seven years unless the human steals their selkie skin and hides it or burns it. If they burn it, what happens? Then they can't go back to the they sea. They can never go back? They can't go back. I'm a lot of movie references today, but I'm actually now I'm thinking about Maleficent and I'm getting upset again. <laughs> Let's just talk more about Selkies. Okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. In the Faroe Islands, there are two versions of the story of the Selkie, or seal wife. A young farmer from the town of Mikladalur on Kalsoy Island goes to the beach to watch the Selkies dance. He hides the skin of a beautiful Selkie maid so she cannot go back to the sea and forces her to marry him. He keeps her skin in a chest and keeps the key with him both day and night. One day, when out fishing, he discovers that he has forgotten to bring his key. When he returns home, the Selkie wife has escaped back to the sea, leaving their children behind. Later, when the farmer is out on a hunt, he kills both her selkie husband and two selkie sons, and she promises to take revenge upon the men of McLeodler. Some shall be drowned, some shall fall from cliffs and slopes, and this shall continue until so many men have been lost that they will be able to link arms around the whole island of Kalsoy. There are still occasional deaths occurring in this way on the island. That's intense. Right? Like, it's really upsetting, but it becomes, like, a really fascinating revenge narrative really quickly. Yeah, on one hand, those dudes probably didn't have anything to do with the horrible injustice that was done to her. But on the other hand, I'm, like, so here for that intense revenge But also, like, it kind narrative. of seems, like, because of the knowledge she had about Selkies, like, that this was, like, sort of a systematic thing, yeah. right? It seems like systematic Selkie oppression Burn was pretty likely. Burn it to the ground. And they just were like, no, no longer. Yes, ma'am. A different story. Uh, Peter Kagan and the Wind by Gordon Bach tells of the fisherman Kagan who married a seal woman. And this one actually is like beautiful in a way I was not expecting. And All I think right. it's really gorgeous. All right, take me away. Against his wife's wishes, he set sail dangerously late in the year and was trapped battling a terrible storm, unable to return home. His wife shifted to her seal form and saved him, even though this meant she could never return to her human body and hence her happy home. Oh. I know, right? Oh. <laughs> So it's not always, like, the troubling power dynamic. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a story of, like, sacrifices and, mm -hmm. you know, and finding yourself in places that you didn't mean to be. And, like, I, I don't know. It's really beautiful, but it's also that really makes upsetting. me really sad. <laughs> I know. But she saved him. Yeah, I know. But now she can never go back. She can only watch from afar. Yeah. I know. It's like that Bon Jovi song who says you can't go home. <laughs> Except it's not like that it's at all. It's the opposite <laughs> of that Bon Jovi song. <laughs> Because the Bon Jovi song is telling you that you can go home. I know. The Bon Jovi song is a cruel mockery of her play. How <laughs> oh, dare no. you? <laughs> All right. So all Selkies hate Bon Jovi. Tell your friends. Ugh. Some stories from Shetland have Selkies luring islanders into the sea at midsummer, the lovelorn humans never returning to dry land. So that's more of a case of them being, like, that's held captive one. by their, their hearts, I guess. Yeah, that's, or like... Or do they literally die, like, Kelpies? <laughs> I don't 
have really any indication that sulkies kill them. Well, do they just, what I mean is, or I shouldn't say that they, they deliberately do, but rather do they just drown? I'm not sure. It might be more of a sad mermaid thing. It doesn't mm -hmm. actually clarify. It's very yeah. vague wording, and I think intentionally so. Yeah. If they're never returning, and it, I don't have any way of thinking that the selkie has the technology to keep the human alive underwater, I'm imagining there's drowning involved. But um, a similar legend to that of the selkie is also told in whales, but in a slightly different form. The selkies in that case are humans who have returned to the sea. Uh, Dylan was the firstborn of Arianrod, who variously was a merman or a sea spirit. In some versions of the story, Dylan then escapes to the sea immediately after birth. And it's, that's sort of like the origin story for selkies in mm. that particular Welsh case. Um, but then again, seal shapeshifters similar to the selkie exist in the folklore of many cultures. A corresponding creature existed in Swedish legend, and the Chinook people of North America have a similar tale of a boy who changes into a seal. I think I knew about that one. Mm-hmm. So those are sort of like the uh, the mythological explanations for selkies, right? Mm -hmm. So let's get into some about like word of mouth and things that have been passed down. Let's like look at the more folkloric explanation. Yeah. Before the advent of modern medicine, many physiological conditions were untreatable. When children were born with abnormalities, it was common to blame the fairies, right? Left you feet. naturally. So we're getting there. Sorry. We're getting there. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm you're jumping sorry. the shark. I got it. I'm jumping the shark. You're jumping the seal. <laughs> That's not what jumping the shark means. <laughs> you're getting ahead of me. Oh. You're getting, you're just like, you're jumping ahead and ruining it. Maybe we are jumping the shark. Maybe. Uh, anyway, yes, when children born with abnormalities, you would blame the fairies. And because this is obviously in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, like Iceland, that area, this is fairy culture, right? So oh, we're yeah. gonna, we're gonna go to that explanation. The Macadrum clan of the Outer Hebrides became known as the Macadrums of the Seals, as they claimed to be descended from a union between a fisherman and a selkie. This was an explanation for the hereditary growth of skin between their fingers that made their hands resemble flippers. So not webbed feet. Webbed hands. But yeah. Webbing between the digits. Similar. Yeah. Um, but actually, my favorite explanation that shows up in many, many places is this one. There's a Scottish folklorist and antiquarian by the name of David McRitchie, who I believe is the one, like, most prevalent in this theory, although I've definitely seen it show up in other places, and he's not cited every time, but in at least a couple he is. Okay. He believed that early settlers in Scotland probably encountered and even married Finnish and Sami women, who were misidentified as selkies because of their sealskin kayaks and clothing. <gasps> others, have suggested others have suggested that the traditions concerning the selkies may have been due to misinterpreted sightings of Finn men or Finnish individuals. Um, because the Inuit wore clothes and used kayaks that were made of those seal skins, and the clothes and kayaks would lose their buoyancy when they were saturated and needed to be dried out. Yeah. So you would end up with people laying on the rocks on the beach waiting for their stuff to dry out, and there's, like, seal skins, seal skins laying, laying around on the, them. Okay, see, right? here's the thing. That opens also the door for something that is either very funny or very troubling, which is just <laughs> the idea that there are, like, Irish or, like, Scottish men out there who just stole <laughs> a woman's coat. Stealing her coat. <laughs> And we're like, now you have to be my wife. And she's like, no. That's not how any of that works. <gasps> what? And then she goes back home and is like, Irish men are strange. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. She's like, this is the weirdest culture I've ever encountered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, think of it. If you're uh, like a native born Irishman or Scotsman who's never seen people like this before, yeah. you're like a kid out playing on the rocks. And then you're like, you run home because you're like, like, Papa, Papa, I just saw a lady take off her seal skin. I just saw her, rem like, I just saw a seal climb up onto the rocks and remove its outer layer to reveal a beautiful woman. <laughs> Can you believe that? I love that so much. Um, oh, no, there's something I was watching where there was an animation where there was, like, the idea of, like, a rabbit unzipping like a zipper on the back oh, of the back and like something I else don't love me. that. Oh, it was just like, oh, it was, 
it was an anime, I'm trash, but it was some kind of mistranslation of something. It was like, um, they were like, it was like a rabbit changing clothes or something. And so she was like, in her, like, one of the characters in her head, she was like, what? And that didn't like keep going, but it was just like a rabbit being like, you mind if I take this off? And like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Uh, mistranslations in folklore are the wildest thing. And this is like a totally, like, this is a different subject, but one of my favorite ones actually, and one yeah. that I love to tell people about whenever I get the chance, is that um, one of the reasons that it's believed that Cinderella has a glass slipper, which is the most impractical of all possible footwear yeah. in the story, is because um, orally, the words for glass and fur sound exactly the same yes. in French. And so it's believed she originally had fur slippers, which would have been like the mark of royalty, right? Not yeah. like uncomfortable and very impractical glass shoes. <laughs> yeah. So it's believed originally that she was wearing fur slippers. Yeah. And, and just like as it got translated, people were like, glass? Okay. Yeah. I've, I've, I was going to say, I've definitely heard the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is I didn't realize that was the explanation. Yeah. I just knew that in earlier versions, the slippers were fur. Yeah. It's because fur, um, I believe, and it's been a while since I was like really good at French, but um, ver as in fur is V-A-I-R. Mm-hmm. And ver is in glass is V-E-R-R-E. But they sound the same to a <sighs> No, that's hilarious. Speaker. I love that. Yeah. Anyway, one last sort of origin story for Selkies, and this is the one that's the most incomprehensible to me, but I think it's fun, mm-hmm. um, is that shipwrecked Spaniards were washed ashore and their jet black hair resembled seals. <laughs> that's not anything. What <laughs> do they think seals look like? I don't know. But I guess, like, if you were from an island I'm mostly populated with people with, like, brown at the darkest hair, he would be like, what are those I'm googling guys? Irish seals. If they're black, I'll take that. And if Irish seals are not or anything but, I will become enraged. Okay, just kidding. They are. Yeah, and shiny, right? So if you had, like, shiny, wet, black okay, hair. Okay, but some of them look like that. Yeah. Oh, they're so cute. Oh, wow. <laughs> These so are cute. Much. God, seals are really cute, you guys. Anyway, right. um, there's a strong body of lore to indicate that the belief is that selkies are supernaturally formed from the souls of drowned people. <gasps> oh. So I don't know how that leads into, like, selkies having, like, a fully functioning culture, which is, like, fascinating like to me, society. right? Like, they're all people who have drowned, and now they're just sort of, like, making a second life for themselves. And I think that's beautiful. But also, why? I'm not really sure. Oh, my goodness. That's... That's I, I that that's troubling. I don't know how I feel about the there are people who drowned narrative. I find that a little, you gotta a come little from more somewhere. troubling. That's true. It's more just um I didn't I like there was a the narrative that's kind of referred to them as almost like a separate species of people and mm-hmm. or just why maybe they're just magic seals. Maybe they might just be magic seals. I mean it's I guess I just get very I get I become very troubled by the idea of men trapping dead women into marriage. It just starts to bum me out. Not that men trapping alive women into marriage is any better or vice right. versa. Like anyone trapping anyone is is good, but it's more just like haven't they suffered enough? I think there's something kind of beautiful about the idea though that if they're like all just the souls of drowned people like that they have made this life for themselves as like these beautiful gentle seal creatures who are like, oh. Oh, you know what? Like, yeah, I had my shot, and now I'm going to get married to somebody new and, like, have some selkie kids. and Or maybe, like, the original ones were the souls of drowned people. And, like, since then, I mean, yeah. because obviously selkies have children, right? So are they just, like, that adopting That was what I was going to say. What happens if a selkie drowns? Or... Oh, I don't know. Can selkies drown? I don't know. Can they? What if they're in their human form and their skin is gone and they fall in the water and they die? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, that's not really Are covered. they a double selkie? Yes. Yes, they become a double selkie. I don't know. No, I feel like the, I feel like what it's implying is that the original sel- like selkie gen 1 were like drowned oh, okay, souls okay, and okay, like okay, since okay, then okay, selkies okay. have propagated amongst themselves. All right, okay. That's kind of what I'm getting from it, you know? They're like 
a person who died and their soul was born again inside of a seal body and then they were like, I could just be a person sometimes and unzip my little seal suit. Who amongst us has never tried to unzip their skin and walk among a different race? I mean... <laughs> Me, I have not done that. Have you? It's a little weird. I haven't done it. Thought about it. <laughs> uh, fair. Uh, one more explanation. Not the drowned folk. But here's an, an anonymous Orcadian quote. Mm, okay. When angels fell, some fell on the land, some on the sea. The former are fairies, and the latter were often said to be the seals. Seals. Sea fairies. Sea fairies. Wait, I was just thinking, uh, what's that? Uh, I'm paraphrasing. What's the line from To Kill a Mockingbird? You don't really understand someone until you get inside their skin and walk around in it. <laughs> you don't really understand a selkie until you climb inside their abandoned seal skin and walk around in it. Walk around in it. Now, here's the question. Couple questions, actually. Mm-hmm. Are Aselki's children with a human? Do they have any? Do they display any supernatural properties? Or I don't believe so. I believe like the 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 key to being a Selkie exists in that moment of transition, and okay. so when they're not in their seal form, they are in human form, and they are genetically okay. human in that moment. Okay, that's um, my real question. Yeah, it, it's much more like a supernatural thing than a genetic thing. Well, so. that that opens a question for me, which is if another person puts on the selkie skin, will they become a seal? Um, I don't know. I feel like it has to be that person's selkie skin. Otherwise, you're getting, like, this weird mafia <laughs> selkie ring of, like, selkies stealing other selkie skins. Actually, that'd be really fascinating, though. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, a selkie woman who's trapped in, like, a relationship she doesn't want to be in, like, watching the rocks every day for other selkie skins to wash ashore and then, like, stealing one? Yeah. That's wild. I'm fa- I'm obsessed with the idea that you could do that like identity that's really interesting the purest identity theft but then would you have that other selkie's body when you went back into the ocean because you wouldn't have yours yeah that's what i'm saying oh my gosh do you have to like assume another selkie that's exactly a lot telling you that's a lot that's why i called it identity theft yeah that's a lot to deal with it's a full body version of those weird masks in uh mission impossible or whatever that movie was you know the one yikes Full disclosure, I've never seen whatever movie it is that Tom Cruise is someone else's face. It's just, I've seen so many parodies of it. I'm just uh, assuming uh. Tom Cruise is wearing a fake face. We're not going to go any further down that road. Okay. Um, a further, and so now we're getting more into, like, Orcadian lore. Okay. And and could you elaborate on Orcadian? From the Orkney Islands. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, and so the Orcadian variation on the drowned souls possibility is that the Selkie folk were the souls of people who had drowned, and then one night each year, they were permitted to leave the sea and return to their original human form. Mm. However, there's another variation on that, which is that the Selkie folk were actually once regular human beings who, for some grave misdemeanor, were doomed to assume the form of a seal and live out the rest of their days in the sea. This oh. comes to us from, I don't know if it's Orkneyjar or Orkneyar.com, but it's a site specifically dedicated to like the culture and heritage of the Orkney Islands. Wow, where, where are the Orkney Islands? Let me double check. I think it's, uh, like, uh, off the coast of Scotland. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. I'm trying to place the the geography of it. Yeah, it's an archipelago in the Northern Islands of Scotland. Northern okay. Isles of Scotland. I need to quit doing that. Yeah. It's Isles Lassie. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you want to you take another run at that? No. Nope. Or you want to never do that again? <laughs> One of the two. If you had the chance to change your fate. If you had the chance to change your fate. If you had the you? chance to change your skin. Would you? Yikes. That was not even anything. 
It really wasn't. Anyway, the bottom line is there's no clear agreement on where Selkie folk come from. Yeah. But there are a lot of really interesting ideas. Absolutely. And let me find the one last source I was going to use. I was going to say, did you happen to find any uh, any sightings or just, is it just, is this a folklore? No, guy? it's much more of a folklore yeah, thing. Yeah, this is a, that's fair. That's awesome. I'm here um, for it. But it, there, so there are no sightings. I like spending time with stuff like this, though. I like spending some time with I stuff I also that... think that this is a thing, though, that like, if people saw it nowadays, we wouldn't believe it, you yeah. know? I mean, like, there are a lot of things that exist in... I mean... Because silkies are existing either as one thing or the other thing. Yeah, that's the thing is people see women all the time and we also see seals all the time. Right. Um, So, like, if you see something like a Bigfoot or Mothman, like, it exists in a realm outside of what is knowable. Mm -hmm. If you see either a woman or a seal, that exists in the realm of something that's knowable. And you're not going to really, like, you're not going to immediately link to, like, that woman standing suspiciously close to a seal skin on the water. I bet she's a selkie. I just got the most absurd, like... <laughs> awful hmm. mental image in my head of like a PETA person throwing oh, red paint no. on a woman with a seal oh, skin. Oh no! And, and she's just a selkie. She's like, "What are you doing? That's mine. It's her skin." Yikes! Anyway, uh, it's like ah, fur is murder. And she's like, "This is mine." <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so gosh, I'm so sorry. No, I, it's you okay. were about to talk about this new thing, and I said that really weird thing. It's totally okay. This comes to us from ElizabethGifford.com, and I okay. believe. This uh, Elizabeth Gifford is a, an author, a novelist. The name sounds really familiar. Yeah, I mean, there there's more than one person with the name, right? But this is well, there's more than one person with the Gifford. I might be thinking Gifford. of Kathy Lee Gifford, maybe. Uh, but she's a morning host. That's different. So okay. Uh, in his book on the Seal People, Gaelic historian John Macaulay puts forward an interesting theory that the Selkie stories are actually a very old form of oral history. So then this explanation starts to go down the pathway again of, like, those kayakers from the Finnish, like, the Finnish people. Yeah. Um, but Elizabeth Gifford goes on to say, Now imagine how such a kayaker must have looked to someone who had never seen a kayaker before. A sealskin kayak, again, becomes waterlogged after about eight hours, and so it lies just below the surface of the water. All you would see from the shore would be the top half of a man, and below the water, the shape of a long sealskin tail wavering in the refracted light. Yeah. It must have looked remarkably like a creature that was half man, half seal. And imagine the islander's shock after that creature came ashore, took off its sealskin, and became entirely human. Again, I cannot stress enough how weird this would be. <laughs> it would be absolutely... Like, mind-blowing. Mm, there are several families who claim direct descent from sea people. The famous poet Macadrum was said to be one of the seal people and to get his skill in songwriting from the seal's gift of singing. That's sweet. Wait, yeah. I'm so sorry. Seals sing? Have you never heard seal sounds? I have. They wouldn't call them singing. No, let's, let's check Did it out. Did you play some really quick? I'm going to look some up for you. Yeah, remember when I played the wampus cat, the, the cougar scream? I think it was this is one of those where we should hear. We should hear the beautiful seal singing. I want to hear some beautiful seal singing. Oh, no, not that seal. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that come. Seal animal singing. You know what I should have done? I should have just played the video and be like, this is a seal singing. Don't you love it? I should have seen it coming that if you Googled seal singing, the fact that there's a human singer named seal would come into play. What am I <laughs> I don't think this is what you thought it was. <laughs> That's definitely not what I was looking for. That's an edit. Yikes. That's like a funny video someone made. We uh, want actual seals. It was seals. amazing. Do we want sea lions singing? Is that close enough or no? Yeah, that should be good. 
I mean, they're, I know they're different, but they're close. Oh, come on, Domino's. <laughs> Please cut this out of the video. <laughs> the Domino's coupon? I'm not yeah, go- just get rid of the Domino's. Well, Domino's did not pay us, so of course I'm going to cut this out. Domino's, give us that sweet merch money. What if I forget to cut this out? Will you be mad at me? No. Are these all just edits of... I guess Oh, no, so. I hear them. No. That's, that's like a funny video. Just Google seal sounds. Seal animal sounds. Oh, no, they just taught the seal to, like, move its mouth at the same time. It was just a seal doing, like, karaoke. <laughs> it wasn't even. It was a seal doing lip syncing. Seals. You're right. Okay, here we go. Seal animal sounds. Did you find something good? I think so. Seal sounds, seal noises, animal sounds, seals. Bork, bork, bork. That's beautiful singing. It's gorgeous. They're barking. Bork, bork, bork. I wouldn't call that singing. I'd call it barking. Okay, here, listen to this. Oh. so beautiful. That's a train. This, this is, is like whale song. This is the sound I'm talking about. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like, like whale, whale song. song. It's the sound they make when they're underwater. Okay, that's train. Yeah. Okay, just kidding. They do actually sing. That sounds magical. And it's like a very beautiful, unearthly sound, right? Like, that would definitely... Make you think of mermaids. Mm-hmm. Sorry about the train, guys. Okay. It sounds like sonar. Or not sonar. It sounds like um, radar or something. So this is specifically a leopard seal? Yeah. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Also, just looking at it swim around is really nice, too. I know. It's really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, they're beautiful. So, they do sing. They do. I, I don't know if I were a, um, a human singer, though, if I would compare my singing to seal singing. But anyway. I don't know. But I, I mean, I don't think it's like saying I want to sing like a seal. It's like finding some way to justify claiming that you have supernatural parentage, right? Yeah, that's fair. Like anyone as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, yeah, I really like that. We went down a fun little, fun little path just then, but, um, I, I'm still laughing because we didn't think about the fact that searching seal singing would maybe have results we did not we did not want necessarily. Not that seal does not have an amazing voice, but that is not what we were looking for right now. <laughs> just like the songs of seals. Yes. <laughs> it's just like him going. Eyes become amazing. I love it. Anyway. Uh, so something interesting is that it could well be that, like, mermaid sightings were also describing sightings of the same kinds of kayakers from Norway. See, I've been thinking that this whole time. Uh-huh. Um, there are certain mermaids that were seen, like, seated on rocks and accessible to any human combing their long hair. It's interesting to note that a seal-skin kayak has to haul out onto a rock every so often to dry it out, obviously, and a female kayaker would no doubt take the chance to comb out her hair. As soon as it was observed, the mermaid would launch back into the water as a kayak might from a rock. Yep. And here's the other thing. Okay, give me. The Sea Sami tribe that once lived in Norway has now disappeared. Almost none of their fragile artifacts or kayaks have survived to prove that they ever visited Scotland. 200 years ago, under intense pressure to assimilate into the mainstream culture, that way of life disappeared. Mm. The last recorded mermaid sighting was also about 200 years ago. Huh. Both mermaids and the Sea Sami disappeared at roughly the same time. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, while one may not be proof of the other, the Selkie stories are probably the clearest evidence we have that those particular people ever visited the islands of Scotland. That's true. 
So interesting stuff. I really, really, that's, that's a really cool angle I never had thought about before. Mm -hmm. Also the description you were talking about from below of it looking like a, like a, like a seal almost is a lot like what happens when sharks attack surfers. Because from yeah. below, it's people can look like seals. Ah. Yeah. Yikes, That's yikes, very yikes. interesting. Yeah. Uh, most of selkies. the island families that claim to be descended from selkies are now in Canada or America. So for your selkie fan fiction writing purposes, it's totally feasible if you want to write selkie stories happening somewhere new now. Yes, if you want to set them. I feel like Newfoundland is a really good place for a selkie yeah. story. I feel like that's the Iceland of Canada. The Iceland of Canada. The Iceland of Canada. I like it. I like it a lot. It's the Iceland of Canada. I was about to say the Iceland of the North, and I realized that was nothing. <laughs> no, that's less than nothing. <laughs> because Iceland Sorry. is of the North. Addison and Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. So I'm just going to leave you with this last follow-up quote from ancient-origins.net. Yes. Amazing. Amorous, affectionate, and affable... Selkies mm. are the hidden gems of sea mythology. Gentle souls who prefer dancing in the moonlight over luring sailors to their death. Selkies are often overlooked by mythological enthusiasts for the more enthralling forms of mermaids or sirens. Yet selkies play a prominent role in the mythology of Scandinavia, Scotland, and Ireland. Their myths are romantic tragedies, a common theme for land-slash-sea romances. However, it is the selkies who suffer, rather than their human lovers and spouses. While the tales of selkies always begin with a warm and peaceful once upon a time, there are no true happy endings for the tales of selkies. Someone always gets their heart broken. Oh. They're beautiful and sad, and I think the time has come for, like, an influx of selkie fiction in, like, YA novels, you know? I think that, like, vampires and werewolves have had their time, and I don't yeah, know why we're oh, overlooking absolutely. history's most romantic cryptid, the selkie. You're right. Just like we, I mean, we had the Beast of Bray Road, which is obviously history's sexiest, and, and I feel like right. it's, this is, this is, like, Romeo and Juliet levels. It's, it's of, like, tragedy and, like... Living in this is living in the world. This is very Shakespearean. This is like mm -hmm. Annabelle Lee. Yeah, like, I grew very like Annabelle gothic. Lee. Actually, a very, very, particularly very Annabelle Lee in general. Mm -hmm. Because it talks about like obviously it's not the same. She died of an illness, but like it talks. It like uses like sea imagery and waiting by the ocean for her and all this stuff. There's something inherently melancholy about like you know the the gray foggy coasts of mm -hmm. you know the the Gaelic Isles. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's like a perfect place for this sort of myth to live. Something but. kind of beautiful and bittersweet and mournful mm -hmm. and oh, and I'm just I'm just hearing um. See, I'm just. This is obviously this is nothing. I'm just hearing the Wailing Jennies sing the Parting Glass as I imagine oh her slipping back yes. into the water. And it's like, oh, a beautiful image. I just took a moment to like look off and like see that. We all but did. You all, okay, we well, all I hope did. you all did with me because otherwise there were just 15 seconds of silence as I imagined the beautiful picture I made up in my brain. Um, um, but I think that the time has come. I think that people are ready for I think people are ready. Selkie to make a reemergence. I would actually, um, hey, I would, you know what I would really love? And I haven't seen it yet, but The Shape of Water is out. And I would really love Guillermo del Toro after this because I think. Try uh, a beautiful Selkie romance. Well, yeah, the thing about Guillermo del Toro is. My favorite, I love his horror films, horror films very, very much, but the stuff I think where he really, really shines, and don't get me wrong, Pan's Labyrinth has a lot of horror elements, but his stuff that touches on like emotion and humanity, and I'm very excited to see The Shape of Water. And I think he's, I think his next installment, if he wants to keep making creature based romances, and if he wants to make something really 
wistful and really sad and like just kind of lovely. Like I think, I think no joke. This is like, we make a lot of joke movie pitches. I would wholeheartedly love to see Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro direct a Selkie film. I think that'd be beautiful. I think he could do an yeah. amazing job. With I mean, it. I think that like, and there's, there are a lot of reasons why the Selkie is interesting to me, but I think that one of the most beautiful is a matter of like, perspective, right? And I'm sorry that I've picked so many, like, downer cryptids recently. I feel like I haven't had, like, a I don't funny, cons- rip-roaring episode in one. I don't but- consider them downers so much as just kind of, um, this one put me, aside from the couple times I almost cried, but I I, I, I stepped it back down, uh, as I've learned to do as a 20-something in America. Um, oh, yikes. Sorry. Um, but I, I found it very similar a lot of the time to that kind of peaceful feeling people were talking about with the dear one, and I'm, and I'm glad people were with me I'm just me gonna on start, that. like, a cryptid ASMR podcast. It's not even, it's not even ASMR, it's kind of, it's deeper <laughs> talk about soul-soothing cryptids. No, but um, what I was going to say is that, like, when... And I don't know if this is true, but I've read it several times now, how, like, uh, the idea that, you know, Medusa, for example, was only a horror story to men. Yeah. And that, like, Medusa, even contemporary to her time, was a symbol of empowerment for women. Like, a symbol of the idea that, like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a curse. I would love to do... It was a gift. I would love to do an episode on Medusa sometime, because even as I'm talking about her, I'm tearing up. And it wouldn't be... It would probably be a bonus episode, because I couldn't really justify it. Because, because obviously, there's only the one, and there's not, like... Gorgons, but... Yeah, I mean, I could do an episode on Gorgons. It's just... It would be a really intense... It would be kind of a heavy episode, so we'll just see. It's just that, like, that is... I Yeah, I don't know... Anyone who doesn't, or any, I don't know any other women who don't, like, look to the right. myth of Medusa and, and have an yeah. extremely strong emotional relationship to it. Yeah. But anyway, so, like, what I was saying yeah. is that there was, there's an interpretation or a belief anyway um, in some circles of, like, Greek historians that the original bestowing of, like, the turning to stone thing on Medusa wasn't even intended as a curse. It was intended as a gift to her, as, like, a, a protective ward for her to have and so there's like no man will ever hurt you again there yeah exactly and so there are stories and there are um ideas and this might be more urban legend that like the symbol of medusa was used even in contempt like in ancient greek times to symbolize women's shelters in greece i don't know if that's true but i like this idea of like medusa is only a horror story to men i think there's something similar about the selkie where maybe like the selkie might only be a romance to men, to women, mm. it might be a horror story, right? The idea yeah. of, like... But I think there's something cool to be said about the Selkies, like, finding their skin and taking it back, or, like, yeah. other members of their family giving like it to them, or, power. like, the Selkie women who, or, like, loved their their land husband so much that, like, say, they... Yeah. To save them. You Some know, of those stories beautiful. genuinely do seem to have the kind of uh, original Little Mermaid to them, like, of the yeah. longing from the water, like, seeing this person longing from afar and then going up, only instead of, like, Ariel, who in that story makes the mistake of letting... Like, of, of, like, trying to make herself into a thing that she is not, mm-hmm. um, realizing they have to return, even though they love, or doing, like, the one story and sacrificing one bit right. of happiness to go and back so to think, where you belong. And I think that's that. what I actually really like and I'm drawn to about the Selkie. It's a lot is of that nuance. It's a lot of nuance. It gives, like, and again, there are male Selkies, too, but female oh, yeah. Selkies seem to be mostly the ones we talk about in the stories. And it gives a level of, like, depth and complexity that women aren't usually allowed to have in folklore. Usually it's either, like, you're the witch or you're the damsel, right? Like, yeah. But Selkies are really interesting well, because they're yeah. they're seductresses, but they're also loyal wives, and they're also mothers, and they're also, like, innocent maidens who are, like, taken from where they belong. But yeah. more than anything, she's not defined by her relationship to romance. She's defined by her relationship to where she comes from. She's defined by her relationship to herself and what she really is. Yeah. And the whole moral of those stories is that, like, she can't 
be anything other than that. And I think yeah. that's really cool. Like this idea that, you know, you can find somebody and you can fall in love with them and you can mm-hmm. even like sometimes spend a happy lifetime with them, but you are who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you're with somebody who wants you to be something other than that, that's when you run into problems. Exactly. Yeah. Like anytime Selkie had a partner who like, you know, knew that she was a Selkie and like, like it was a consensual will for relationship. Like she found her own Selkie skin and rescued that guy in that one story. Yeah. Like that was her using her knowledge of who she was and her ownership of herself to, like, fulfill that relationship in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Oh. So I think it's cool. I think the Selkie's a cool story of, like, self-ownership in the face oh, of, yeah. you know, really interesting and sometimes complicated circumstances. And and I think that the, the stealing back of the skin is a not-so-subtle, in a lot of ways, can be a not-so-subtle allegory for literally regaining your agency. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Regaining yourself. Yeah, or like, you know, Selkies and relationships were like, it's the kid that found the skin or whatever. Like, I think that's, I don't know, it's cool. I think there are a lot of really neat storytelling possibilities with the Selkie, and I want to see her make a comeback in literature. Mm-hmm. I want more Selkie tales. I do too. I do too. Um, you actually, it's funny that you even mentioned ASMR because the only reason I knew that there was Selkie uh, mythology in Iceland is because an ASM artist I, I really enjoy, mm-hmm. um, her, I don't remember her, like, actual name, but her, you, I'll, I'll plug her things, her, I love her videos if you like ASMR stuff, um, she, her thing is, it's Roscobel Rabbit, which is R-H-O-S-G- O-B-E-L, rabbit, ASMR, and she has a video that's called Telling Tales to You in My Ice Cave. That's her, like, doing a soundscape. (laughs) Like, Like, she's sitting in, like, an ice Mm -hmm. cave, and she's made you a cup of tea, and she tells you a story about a selkie. And it's one of my favorite videos. I watch it to go to sleep all the time. Um, I think it's telling, I think it's called Telling You Tales in My Ice Cave. I think that's what it's called. But that's the one, and that was the first time I ever heard the selkie story not told based in Ireland, and that was the only reason I knew that. So it's really funny that earlier this episode you mentioned ASMR. Yeah. But anyway... Just a little plug for that. Just a, it's very soothing, and also it's a nice. It's a, it's a, it's the same thing we've just covered today. But if you want to like be soothed off to sleep by a retelling of like, like, like fully like it's like twenty minutes long, like kind of nice, fleshed out like it. folk like storytelling kind of thing about the selkie, and it's about the angle of the child as well. Yeah, it's a like a selkie woman and her daughter, and I won't say more than that. But um, yeah, it's it's lovely. Uh, anyway, cool. I just, I really like, I like the Selkie. I'm glad yeah, you brought Yeah, so thank you for joining me on this word journey. Yes. Um, announcements? Yes. Uh, as we wrap up, I don't think we have any, like, announcement announcements, but do you have we a Patreon? We definitely do. Are you kidding oh. me? Oh, my God. The shirts. <laughs> we have shirts now. We have t-shirts. So Shirts are here. Are, yes, up in our Etsy store. Not yet. I have to actually. Okay. I have to break down the price. They're or, coming. To break down the doll here. The get, uh-huh. Break down the cheddar. But we got them. The paper. Yeah, we got them. We have them. They came in a big box, and they're beautiful, and I've been posting the pictures of them on our socials everywhere so you can see them. Uh, no, they will be up on the Etsy store as soon as I have like done the math of like shipping and stuff because mm-hmm. I need to factor in shipping because it's going to be different than the way we've had to ship the stickers just slightly. For sure. Um, anyway, but we do have shirts now. Um, and I also want to thank, um, we have a new uh, Patreon donor of the tier that puts them on their name on the show. So I really want to thank Elin Forsland, and I think it's Elin, it might be Ellen, it is spelled E-L-I-N, and then F-O-R-S-L-U-N-D, and I want to say thank you, tweet at me if I pronounced your name wrong, and tell me how to say it correctly, and, um, so- I'm gonna say Ellen, you say Elin, and then one of us is right. True. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks, Elin. What if it's something completely different, and- Elin. Yeah, what if it's something completely different, or, like, the I is silent, so it's just, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Ellen. <laughs> um, anyway, but I, after making it, the jokes are always on us, but after that, I want to thank you for your generosity, and that was a really exciting email to get, and um, I will, uh, you have another, you have a reward coming to you in the mail soon, so, as well. 
And if you're curious about what that is, you can check out our Patreon. <laughs> Consider becoming a donor. Hey. We have bonus episodes up there, blooper reels, another blooper reel coming soon, other like bonus audio content, um, lots of fun stuff going on on there. That is Patreon slash The Cryptid Keeper, as you might have assumed. Also our socials, um, it's hard to plug those. We are on Facebook as The Cryptid Keeper. You can find us, we have a Facebook group for hanging yeah. out in fun times, which is... The Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group. We love it and so should you. Yes, it's a great place. It's a really, really solid, like, fun space to hang out and talk about all kinds of silly stuff, mostly cryptids, but, like, occasionally other stuff that kind of lives in that world, like tabletop games and all that kind of stuff. Um, storytelling of all varieties. Speaking of tabletop games, another huge thank you to this week's sponsor, the One Shot Podcast. Oh, yeah. Via James D'Amato. Check them out. It's a really fun time, and you're absolutely going to love it. No matter when you tune in or what arc you're starting with, it's always a great time. Yes. Thank you for helping us keep the lights on over at our SoundCloud page and keeping our coffee cups full. I don't know. Hey. Um, and uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at CryptKeepPod. I haven't plugged our socials in a hot minute, so I'm just throwing them all out there. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, um, Podbean. <laughs> We're on pretty we much already know where to listen to us yeah, if you found us if here. If you found us here. Um, and I think that's all of our things. So as always, um, oh, and our music is by Andrew Giada, who's in the room but hasn't said anything, so it's just <laughs> sitting back there. So we just did finger guns at him. Uh, and as always, <laughs> we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. <laughs> <laughs>